Good evening, everyone out there in podcast land. Are you sure that they're listening to it in the evening? I don't know. It's just a thing to say. Gotcha. Uh, I am Chris, Chris Lee, one of your hosts. Thank you for joining us for the Triple R Podcast, uh, the Retro Wrestling Report uh, this uh, glorious episode, we are bringing to you a beautiful gem, hot, 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 fast, uh, 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 action-packed pay-per-view known as SummerSlam 2002. Uh, joining me in discussing this pay-per-view are the the muchachos, compatriots, uh, however you want to call it. Uh, first, I would like to introduce my brother, Warren Lee. Warren, how you doing today? I am doing well on this Sunday. Uh, ready to talk about this pay-per-view, which is chock full of superstars and Hall of Famers. And then there's Test. <laughs> and then there's Test. Well, R.I.P. Test. Um, R.I.P. Test. Also joining us, fan favorite. He, I believe he has the record for most appearances. Uh, his name is Justin Pilcher. Justin, thank you so much for being here with us. Chris, thank you so much for having me. I uh, do appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. It's always a, it's always a pleasure to uh, have you on the, on the show. Whenever you can make it, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Give it up for Justin Pilcher. Why not? There you go. Yeah, Let's give it up for Pilch. Um, I want to thank you for bringing me back on the show. I also want to tell Warren that uh, this episode, I'm gonna bury you. I'm gonna win decisively. And just in case you forgot, Ric Flair, I'm coming after you and the Horsemen as well. So once I'm done with Warren, five of you are next. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Damn sure. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that's good. For those, for those who might not know, for those who might not know or remember what Pilch is doing, there was a we did an episode of uh, WCW. It was Capital Combat. It was Capital. Every single promo <laughs> that a rapper cut, they made sure to talk about their current opponent and also Ric Flair because they wanted that title. <laughs> they wanted that title, whether they were in the title picture or not. At was, that time, it was WCW versus the Horsemen. Mm-hmm. And they did not let you forget it. <laughs> well, I just... That was a great callback, Pilch. I appreciate that. <laughs> you got to reference oh. the hits, man. You got to reference the hits. Got to reference the hits. True. Um. So let's uh let's 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 jump right in. Um. So SummerSlam 2002. Uh. Real quick, let's let's see some some interesting tidbits and notes on SummerSlam 2002. This SummerSlam took place on. August 25th, 2002, it was located in Uniondale, New York at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The attendance was 
14,797 uh, people in attendance. Uh, this was the first SummerSlam under the brand split and also the first SummerSlam under the WWE name after they changed, uh, got rid of the F, which I thought was very interesting. So they had the split commentary team. You had Jim Ross and Jerry the King on Raw commentary and Michael Cole and Taz on SmackDown. Um, also, there's another there's another first, but I'll save it for a match coming up in the card um, because it's just it's something that stuck out to me. And I thought, I don't know if they thought this all the way through, but we'll get to it. Um, <clears throat> so the. Um, oh, no, I lost my train of thought. First impressions. That's what I want to do. So let's yeah. get into the first impressions of uh, the pay-per-view before we get into the card. Um, let's start with Warren. Warren, your first impressions of the uh, SummerSlam 2002 pay-per-view. Um, so my first impressions of uh, of turning the, the show on, one, they really kind of just got right to it. Um, there was no big, huge video package in the beginning. There wasn't... Uh, I don't know. There was a little fluff, very little fluff in the beginning. Um, the The set looked like the old uh, SmackDown set with like the the half dome behind the the entryway or whatever. Um, so that was fine. Um, one interesting note I noticed about this pay per view: this pay per view only had one non standard match. Every match on the card was a straight up one on one. Or tag team match for the title, or was there a tag? It was a tag team match. Yeah. On. Yep. Yeah. There was a tag yep. match for a title, one on one for a title, one on one in a regular match outside of the non sanctioned match between Triple H and uh, HBK. So it was, again, very little fluff, got right to the point. Um, but with the, the all the superstars that were on here, I was very excited to get into this. Except for test. Except for test. Uh, Pilch, first impressions on uh, SummerSlam 2002. Uh, first and foremost, this pay-per-view took place on Long Island, not in Long Island. just want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true. Right. Uh, it sold out in 90 minutes. Um, I didn't have any first impressions. I uh, went in blind. Just uh, That's right. You, d- you did discuss that last time. You, you went in I let blind. let the pay-per-view take me over. Yeah. What's going to happen? I don't know. Who wins any match? <laughs> Who knows? You know, just uh, carry on my way, man. Let's 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 get into it. There you go. There you go. Well, let's get into the first match. Um, opening up the the event was uh, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. You didn't ring the bell, Chris. Oh, I didn't ring the bell. Sorry about that. Here we go. <laughs> Boom. Ooh, is there steak? What What are we eating for dinner? <laughs> I think it definitely steak. So, first match on the card, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm going to let... Let's go with Pilch on this one. Pilch, what do you got for this opening match? Ooh, all right. So, uh, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Um, 
Kurt Angle vowed to break uh, Rey Mysterio's ankle in this match, which, you know, a little brutal for me. Um, you know, pin for the one, two, three would be more than enough, but if you want to break someone's <laughs> leg, that's fine. Uh, I loved the Kurt Angle comes out, and then we had the Rey Mysterio out of nowhere, you know, Hurricane Rana to start the match. Felt like there was very few matches in this pay per view where people came out the way they were supposed to. There's a lot of running out of the tunnel or people disappearing everywhere. Uh, there was a point very early on where Kurt Angle ripped Rey Mysterio out of the ring. There's a very ugly landing on the, the outside, which I thought was. I was a little worried for Ray. He, he shook it off. He did fine afterwards. Um, I will say Kurt Angle working as the the bigger wrestler is uh, not something I think he did all that often. Like I feel like he was either paired with someone that was like his size or the person was bigger. But I thought he played the role of being the bigger competitor very well. They had a very good dynamic where Angle was the, the hard hitter throughout the match and Mysterio was the quicker combatant, you know, finding his openings when he could. Which led to, uh, he did. Mysterio had that awesome spot where he did the front flip over the ref, hit angle on the outside. Um, even still, the West Coast pop still wasn't enough to pin angle. I thought this this would have been a five star match for me, but there was two botches here. Uh, first being the West Coast pop, it looked like. Mysterio almost paralyzed Angle at one point. Like it looked like he dropped him straight on his head. And the second was when Angle was on the top rope and Mysterio was going to go for that big Hurricane Rana and Angle just like fell off and landed on his ass and then countered into the the ankle lock. Um it, it it wasn't as seamless as it could have been. And I think when you have two big spots like that at the end of the match that are going to decide that that, that's what people are going to remember. Right. And the five or six minutes that led up to that were great, but those last couple things just weren't as in sync as they should have been. Um, I have a question for you, Warren. Yes. Did you ever go to uh, McDonald's in like the nineties? I mean, of course. Did you ever get like a large fry? I mean, I think I every time I go, I get a large fry. Okay, fair enough. So nowadays when you go to McDonald's, you get a large fry. The outside of the fry container is red. You have the, the golden M on the front. The inside of the container is just like a beige color, right? Yeah, it's like a yellow. It, 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 at that time when they were using the, the, the cardboard... Uh, container for the fries the inside was i want to say it was striped yellow and white so it was actually back in the 90s it was striped red and white believe it or not okay okay and um when i was looking at kurt angle's tights throughout this match all i could think of was that his tights looked like the inside of mcdonald's french fry container mm-hmm. which i mean you know i'm loving it but I don't know if everyone else is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant to do this one. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> mean to do that. Stop. I meant to do that one. I meant to do that. <laughs> you hit that one intentionally. I really liked it. I liked it. I wanted to do the rib shot, but it, they're right next to each other. <laughs> so, you know, there was that. Uh, Rey Mysterio looked like a baked potato that had come out a little too early. Like, who, mm. who dresses in all silver? Like, it's just not... <laughs> Not the best look. Uh, again, Angle had that weird counter, caught him in the ankle lock, uh, won the match. I, I mean, it was a very good match. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna take anything away from it. I think if there wasn't those two weird spots at the end, we'd be talking about this is like a five star, like classic, and it just dropped it down a little bit. Again, still a great match, but um, not quite upper echelon, in my opinion. Okay, okay, well. Oh, oh, one one last point. So, okay. Angle calls Mysterio a son of a bitch at one point in this match. Like, they're rolling around, he pops up, and Angle calls, come on, you son of a bitch. And I wrote down, um, in every match in this pay-per-view, somebody calls someone else a son of a bitch. Which, I don't know if that's like, a 2002 WWF thing, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 shockingly consistent, and they get it on the microphone every time. Who said it in Guerrero versus Edge? Edge called Eddie Guerrero son of a bitch. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I didn't catch that. I caught the one with Jericho, and I I think I caught the one with Kurt and Ray. I, I don't remember it in the other matches though. I, I definitely caught the the Kurt and Ray, and I definitely caught the Jericho and Flair. Um, now that so you mention, I, I vaguely remember in, the the Edge and Edge one with Eddie Guerrero. In my notes, Christian called Booker T a son of a bitch. RVD mm-hmm. called Chris Benoit a son of a bitch. Um, you know, I might have misstepped because I don't think it happened in the Undertaker Test match. Because I mean, who gives a shit? And. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Triple H and HBK actually both called each other a son of a bitch. And uh, The Rock called Brock Lesnar a son of a bitch. Wow. Look at that. So out of the eight matches, seven out of the eight, someone called somebody a son of a bitch. You know, to be fair, I mean, they are fighting over made-up accolades. So, you know, it's deserved. (laughs) Wow, that's an interesting an interesting catch there, Pilch. Uh, uh, Warren, what do you what do you got for this uh, opener? Um, so I was not I'm not a fan of the of the theme that Mysterio had here, the Rey Mysterio. Here we go. That's uh, like his theme. theme. What is <laughs> no, no, his 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 Booyaka Booyaka six one nine theme is much better. Oh, okay. Kurt was in prime form in this match, even though he was dressed like a candy cane. Um, <laughs> it was uh, interesting to see how quickly, well, not interesting to see how quickly Rey Mysterio worked. He obviously works quick. Kurt was able to keep up with Rey Mysterio in here, and I loved the the big small factor that Pilge mentioned. Um I can't remember too many times where Kurt was the small 
or had to play the small guy. Um, I think even if you fast forward to his match with Brock at Mania, I don't think Kurt played the small guy there. I think they both just tried to wrestle each other. Um, so it's rare that I remember Kurt playing um, really the small guy. If he was the smaller person, he was wrestling him. But here, bigger person, uh, he was trying to toss Rey Mysterio around the ring. Um I did meant I did uh catch the the 619 um and the hurt and the run off the 619 uh that Pilch mentioned where Kurt looked like it landed on his head. Um that I would chalk that up to a botch, but the angle slipping out off the top rope Rana where Pilch was thinking that was the second botch, I don't think that one was a botch. I think Kurt was just simply reversing to get to the ankle lock to end the match there. Well, that's that's my opinion. Um, match in general was really, really good. Um, it was fast-paced. It was bang, 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 bang. Um and uh, it was a nice way to open the pay-per-view here with these two uh, competitors. All right. All right. I, I just want to, I mean, the way that Rey Mysterio starts this match, you know, the surprise entrance, the, you know, springboard attack towards Kurt Angle. I think Rey Mysterio should start every match that way. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, it's like the, you know, where is he going to attack? You know, he's Rey Mysterio. He's so mysterious. Where is he going to attack from? You never know where he's exactly going to be. You know, he could play it into his, 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 his gimmick. But I don't know. That was just a, a thought I had because I was just like, really, I was caught off guard with the him doing the springboard. And then once, you know, they were after his feet left that rope and he was in the air. It was like, it's go time. We're not doing this posture and bullshit. We're not doing this stare down and jawing at each other for like, you know, a minute before we get into it. Like, it's just, we're hitting these spots. We're doing this and we're going to hit them at like 50 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like they were just go win. And so, they got time. They had nine minutes for the time. Yeah. It wasn't like a squash. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a squash. It wasn't a squash. It wasn't rushed. They had time to get all get through all their stuff, um, but it was nonstop of nine minutes. There oh, was yeah. very little downtime. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was just I th- I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a great match, um, and I even put that it was an early contender for uh, cream of the crop. I thought it was really good. Easily, it, it's going to be these other matches, except for Test, have a lot of work to do. By realtor, no, no. why is it called working from home? <laughs> and it's <laughs> time. All right, go on. Uh, I like and I don't so see it. At home, I don't see anything either. Not there. There's no ad. There's. I still hear something. Here, okay, I got it. There we go. Okay. All right. And that one came up and I could see it. <sighs> yeah, Realtor.com has got us pegged. <laughs> There's 20 people a week to listen to this podcast and we got to get them. So, got to get them. So, let's, uh, let's give a shout out here. 
realtor.com not a sponsor not a sponsor but like showing up on our podcast but i mean they could be i mean it wouldn't take much like send us like a box of donuts and we'll, we'll shout you out it's not a big Listen, deal the amount of things that i would do for a box of donuts the list is probably just talk about realtor.com on a podcast all right. Well, it is I'm I'm ringing this bell. <laughs> it got me again. All right. Next match on the card. Well, before we get to the next match, I wanted to mention uh the dynamic between the Raw and SmackDown GM, uh Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon respectively, mm-hmm. they're going to be sharing a GM office in this arena to watch the pay-per-view. Um, I, uh, Stephanie uh, McMahon here looks really good. I've always liked Bischoff. The chemistry that those two had together worked constantly. Um, and this is like we said, early in the, brand split of Raw and SmackDown. So I think they're still trying to figure out what way to uh, attack this this brand split thing. Um, but it was an interesting dynamic between the two of them. See, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed all their little... Mm, I had a completely different thought here. I, so it starts with Stephanie like walking down the hall looks like she was like patting herself on the back being so proud and like there's this like we like normal you know microphone guy she's like hey microphone guy come here i want to tell you about how great smackdown is he's like okay like oh we got all these great stars and like we're doing so much good stuff he's like oh that that's cool she's like and let me tell you more about how great smackdown is and if you ever see eric bischoff and rick flair and the four horsemen you tell them i'm coming for him <laughs> and okay, so that part the part talking to the random guy in the hallway and talk about when you see eric bischoff you tell him that was a little weird but the interaction between the two in the actual room top notch here, here's a question is um eric bischoff throughout most of his like wwe time wore a leather like suit jacket Right, like you wore like a t-shirt underneath, like jeans. Do you think right. somewhere? Yeah. Do you think he owns an entire leather suit? I think once he joined the NWO, um, is when the leather really came out. Yeah. Huh. Um, I I wrote that. Uh, I like the leather jacket. You know, I, I would have rather he wore an entire leather suit, but, you know, I digress. I thought it was great that, you know, they set their differences aside and had, like, movie night. Like, mm. oh, you know, like, let's just be friends and, like, watch the TV. And uh, thank God we don't have to deal with Michael Cole for the entire pay-per-view and JR and the King came on. So. Wait, you're not a Michael Cole fan? No. Really? Never have been, never will be. 
Michael Cole is very underappreciated in the wrestling industry. He's a poor man's JR. No, no. I think, uh, I don't want to say better than JR because they're just different. I will come through this microphone and fight you. JR is way better than Michael Cole. No, I love JR. And I'm not trying to say that Michael Cole is better than JR. But we do have to give Michael Cole his flowers because of how long he's been doing this. And I don't think people realize how long and how uh, how long Michael Cole's really been at this. I don't disagree with that. I I would also like to say I was really excited to hear that Jr. and the King were going to be on this pay per view, but in this is a long sweeping statement for the entire show. Is we got a, a handcuffed Jerry the King Lawler here. He was not all about puppies. He didn't make a lot of jokes. Like it wasn't. This was yeah. not my favorite king. This is this is post. Um, not so. I wouldn't say handcuffed, but this is definitely post puppies king. This is more the the through the two thousands king where he was. I guess more of a face when you're talking about commentators. Um, I don't know. He kind of just grew past it, outgrew it. I'm not sure how to how to actually put it, but this is definitely a different king than you're used to in the, the Attitude Era. Yeah, R.I.P. Real King. Bring him back. <laughs> R.I.P. Real King. All right. Let's moving on. Moving on. We go into our second bout of the night: Ric Flair versus Chris Jericho. Um, and I have a hot take mm-hmm. about Chris Jericho. Not really a hot take, but okay. like a thought. All right. It's about his chin salad? Not about his chin salad. First, first thought, I feel like Chris Jericho always has the best packages done. I don't know if it's just because of how charismatic and good he is just like on the shows that they have like plenty of clips for him all the time or what but i found myself very entertained by the him rick flair in his package for their match just like i was very entertained with his package and him and william regal package on what SummerSlam was that that we did when they had for the ic title uh, uh, 04. 04. No. 05. Yeah. 04. That's one of them. But I just think I think Jericho has usually has the best package done. Also, let me know if you agree with this or not. But is Chris Jericho the new Rick Flair? Hmm. I I think I could understand what you're saying. You mean current is Chris is current day Chris Jericho the the Ric Flair of this generation. This generation. I could see that. 
to where he's he's done everything he could do. Now he's in the era of bringing other people up. Mm-hmm. Same thing that Ric Flair did when he came back in this era, and they once they got towards going to Evolution. Yeah. Um. Definitely a legend. Definitely a, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer if if he isn't already. Right. Um. I could see that, and I don't know who else you would put in that in that category. I can't think of any other uh, uh, wrestlers that were in this era in two thousand two that are one still going and still going at the the caliber that Jericho's going now. Right. So that's where I was like, I was like, he at this stage in his career, you know, he's an older guy, but he can still go. Maybe not at the same speed or tempo as he previously could, but he can still go. He can, you can put a belt on him and it's not going to be out of place. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just feel like he and he he has that, you know, he's, you know, Flair is the dirtiest player in the game, but people still loved him. Yeah. Jericho, classic heel, really good as a heel, but he will get the biggest pops you will ever get. When Jericho's music hit, people go nuts. He's still a heel. Yeah. Still plays that heel role. Still does tricky things to sometimes win if he has to. But people still just know, love Chris Jericho. They're going to cheer him no matter what. And I just think those similarities, like I, I just, I don't know what it was. It's just something just like popped in my head. And I was like, oh my God, I think Chris Jericho is the new Ric Flair. Hmm. I, I like that. I like that. I can buy into that. Yeah, I buy into that as well. I think um, Chris Jericho is so underrated. I think like he he should be in the upper echelon. I know we had like our Mount Rushmore discussion not that long ago, and you know I'm not saying he's one of the top five of all time, but I mean everything. Everything he's done for AEW too, like he he's put over so many people. Whether it's you know Orange Cassidy, MJF, you know he's he's done Moxley. Even he's done such a good job of building the next generation, and he he does it without worrying about his own legacy. And I think Chris made a good point there. Flair did the same thing for a long time. I think him in in the top five could be a discussion, though. I don't think that's out of the realm. No, I, I don't disagree with you either. I it's I I wrote in my notes, and I know it's not my my segment yet, but like when Chris Jericho's music hits, it that's probably the biggest pop of the evening, as it's been in every pay per view that we've talked about Chris Jericho. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like when you hear the when the everything stops, the lights go out, and you hear the 
break the walls down. Everyone loses their minds, whether he's yeah. heel, baby face, whatever. Yep. Like he's just, I mean, I would so say the Chris only, Jericho, he's great. I would say the only thing that I can think that Jericho has over Ric Flair is that Rick came up with a catchphrase and he's been living on this catchphrase for years. The woo. He had the woo. He, he, Jericho, he has a new saying every time he days he goes somewhere. You know, he came up with the he had the little bit of the bubbly. He had the Le Champion. He had the stupid idiots. He has the, you know, you just made the list and you know, he just he he, he Flair had his character, and it's just, it's worked. It's timeless, and it worked forever. You know, he made it work forever. Jericho was able to reinvent himself so many times. And it's still like, he, I don't know. It's just, it's just incredible how many times he can reinvent himself and make it work and not be like this is ridiculous you know what i mean like it's just it always it always lands for as many times as jericho left and came back in the wwe through the 2000s into the 2010s every single time he came back he was a different version of himself right and that really spoke to that was a credit to his talent where other people who have left and came back on multiple occasions like the rock like brock lesnar um among others they're pretty much set in their whatever their ways are right. you know that the rock's coming back you know what his shtick is. You know he's going to be on the mic. He's going to be clowning somebody. He's standing the third. Each time Brock came back, he was going to destroy everything in his sight. Jericho went from his WWE, his early WWE run, and whatever different carnations where he then he left. He came back. He did Silent Jericho when he was teamed with the Big Show. He left. He came back. He did a different kind of Jericho. He left. He came back. He did the List Jericho. Now he's doing the same thing in AEW. He comes over there and and he goes over there. And he goes over to Japan where he's doing Painmaker stuff. He's doing the Le Champion stuff. Uh, now he's doing the Inner Circle stuff. I wish he would stay off a of commentary. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I love everything about Jericho except for his commentary and He's, the way he reads ads and and the way he reads ads on his podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's that's another reason why you can really have the conversation of is he top five all time because of all of those him always reinventing himself and not getting stale with the the character Plus, of his his work in the ring hasn't hasn't really dipped. I mean, there's a natural dip because he's pushing fifty years old, but he hasn't hasn't fallen off to where he's not a legitimate threat. I, I think it gets to the point where he 
he comes out in AEW now, and he, like Jericho's supposed to be the heel, right? And his his song hits. He walks to the ring, and then everyone recites it. And he gets like a standing ovation. Everyone's super excited to see him. And I think that's like Jericho's career in a nutshell is like whether he's heel or baby face, like people just fucking love to see him come out there and perform. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's very hard. You have to really go out of your way, like MJF, to be a heel and get booed like a heel. Um, because that, I don't want to say Jericho is the cool heel, but it's going to take a, it would take a lot of effort from him for him to get that full on mercilessly boo heel uh, reaction because what he's doing now, it's just too easy for the audience. The audience pops for his song every single time it comes on. And Judas is a great song. Don't get me wrong. No doubt. Yeah. No, the more you talk about it, you know, we might need to rearrange our top five. Like, Jericho's, he's something else, man. He really Jericho's is. Jericho's up there. Jericho could definitely be a top five. And the match he had here is a perfect example of why he needed to leave WWE when he did. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, why don't you get into it, Pilch? So we have uh, Jericho versus Ric Flair. Um, There's a great sign where someone wrote "Y2 Jerk" on there, held it up, <laughs> which I love. And then <laughs> the King called Ric Flair the dirtiest man in the game. I was like, does he not shower? Like, why is he so dirty? I know he's really <laughs> the dirtiest player in the game, which makes more sense, but the dirtiest man in the game, that's just gross. I, I honestly couldn't believe, and I guess once I, like, I sat down and thought about it, it made more sense, but you know, Ric Flair is 52 when this pay-per-view takes place, and it was his first SummerSlam. Which this was his first SummerSlam? Oh yeah. yeah, his previous run back in '92, uh, um, or you know, early '90s. I don't think he he wasn't there a whole year. Hmm. Right. Um, they made a. Big note about how Jericho was only two years old when Ric Flair made his professional wrestling debut. Uh, Oh, I also thought that it was weird that Jericho thought he was Leonardo DiCaprio throughout this entire match. (laughs) Why do you you say that? Because he kept saying he was a king of the world. You know, he's standing on the, the bow of the Titanic. He'll be the king of the world. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this was a very aggressive Jericho, which we don't see that often. Mm-hmm. Like, Jericho's usually a... he. I've, 
I think that's part of like what makes him so good is he always wrestles his opponents. But in this match, like he and you know, Crypto Flair too, is like they let him take control. He was the aggressor, and there's so many like hard shots. Like Jericho's chest was bright red after about thirty seconds because of all the Ric Flair chops. Yep. Um, it was just a. I don't know. I I look at this match kind of like I look at you know Hogan Rock. It's like a not a passing the torch match, but it's something that like I think both guys really wanted to happen, and it's mm-hmm. it's not the best like technically sound match of all time, but I think both members of this match come out of it happy that they were able to say like it happened you know what i mean yeah it's like jericho being where he was at that point in time i'm sure looked up to rick flair throughout his entire life and would have never imagined that he would fight rick flair in SummerSlam. and not only that to be like given the the reins to like call most of the match like you can see that jericho throughout normal like when they're rolling around where they're both on the ground, Jericho's calling like 95% of this match and Ric Flair lets him. And I think that was probably had to have been one of the highlights of his career. And I just think they did it expertly. I, I wasn't a big fan of Flair winning the match, but you know, I don't think anyone ever really remembers who won and who lost. It's more about like what happened and how it made you feel. So, Kudos to both men. And Ric Flair looks fucking phenomenal for 52. Yeah, Ric Flair, he, he rocks that old man body pretty good. Uh, he's, he's like, oh, I can see it. I can see it. I can see what what he used to be working with. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, you mentioned something about those hard-hitting uh, chops throughout the match. Um I did make a note that uh, Ric Flair is the reason why Chris Jericho's chest looks like it does today. Mm. Those chops, because be they were ringing through that arena. Oh, a probably. lot of like just vicious knife edge chop, vicious knife edge chop, and then Jericho would get a punch it, and then vicious knife edge chop throughout the entire match. Oh, and it's just yeah. You see the you see the uh, concaved chest of Jericho today. And it's like, oh yeah, I yep, that's Rick's. Uh, I can see Rick's fingerprints right there. Yeah, that's the reason why. <laughs> so, uh, Warren, what do you got to add about this match? Um, it was good to hear uh, the Fink Howard Finkel on the introductions for this match. Um, Flair, I. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that when Flair came back in this era in 02, he had his WCW music, pretty sure. So this theme that they dubbed over was his original WWF theme when he debuted back in the early 90s. Um, Flair botched his little corner roll uh, the first time they tried it. Um... And I want to say at this era, 
Ric Flair might have been going through his his uh, not confident in himself phase um, that they mentioned before the start of Evolution. Um, I might be wrong. It might be still too early for it, but I, I'm pretty sure that, that was the case. Um, with Flair's chops, as everybody mentioned, they're always consistently loud and ring through the arena. Um, Flair had a uh, Flair went for the walls of Jericho at one point. Jericho actually reversed it and then threw Flair into the figure four. I thought that was a really nice spot. Um, the end of the match was kind of cool where they had, uh, I want to say, Flair. Jericho had Flair in the figure four. Or maybe it was the walls of Jericho, one or the other. Uh, but he grabs the ropes, and then as he grabs the ropes and the ref breaks Jericho off, he's also hitting the mat. So Jericho thinks that him hitting the mat was him tapping out. Distraction. Uh, get the ref bump in there, uh, low blow by Flair, figure four, and then Jericho taps out and Ric Flair gets the W. I was surprised to see Ric Flair get the win here, um, but he used his old dirtiest player in the game tricks to uh, to get the victory. Yeah, I mean, they don't call him the dirtiest player in the game for nothing. The That's dirtiest right. man in the game. <laughs> Uh, so let's, uh, let's hit the old Belaru on that one. And, uh, we're going to go into the next match, which was Edge versus Uncle Eddie, Eddie Guerrero. Um, this match, I don't think I really had that many notes on. Uh, I did notice that, uh, I forgot Edge had Rob Zombie theme. So that was a little, that was, that was kind of cool. And um, some uh, who this was a this was a a SmackDown match, I think. Yes, SmackDown match. Taz and Michael Cole. I don't remember which one set. I think it was Taz, and Taz just noted that Edge's height and weight, and I was just like, I did not realize Edge was that tall. Edge is tall, yeah. Six four. He's like six four two something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Edge is six four. Like, what? yeah. Did not realize that. I don't know why yeah. I thought Edge, Edge was is a big boy. Six foot, but I did, I don't know. I just feel like six four. It's like really tall, and I didn't expect that. I don't know. And then uh, there was the rope spot where he tried to tie Eddie up, and the I can I. I always thought to myself, how come nobody ever gets tied up in the ropes anymore? Like that was always like a really big go-to back in golden age wrestling. Yep. But now I, they have different ropes. The WWE ropes aren't as loose as they used to be. So these new tight ropes aren't made for uh, rope tie-ups. And they tried to do the spot with Eddie. And it's just like they were having a real hard time getting that bottom the middle rope up onto his shoulders to get him mm. tied up. It's just like they have no, they don't have the give like they used to have. So they had to kind of like Eddie had to kind of like contort his body a little bit to make it work, and the, and then they got it up, and then he had to like, you know, he did the spear into him, 
And then he went to do another one, and Eddie was supposed to escape. But because the ropes are so tight, he, like, had to get into a very what do you like he sold it to to not sold it to well what's the um what's the term when you're like you like show your punches like when you're getting ready to throw them like it's a boxing thing well you know what i'm talking about oh, you, uh, mm, it's show your punch like tip not tipping your pitch i'm thinking tipping your pitch is like baseball oh, right like tipping your pitch right we'll use that and like he like tipped his pitch like oh he's gonna get out but because like, he had to like arch his back in a way so that they would slip right off because those things like he was really in it like he couldn't he wasn't gonna be able to get out in time so i just noticed that and just like oh that's why they don't do those spots anymore because their ropes won't allow them to But uh, let's uh, let's start with Warren this time. Warren. Um. So my initial thought when I saw this on the card is um, I didn't think that Eddie ever fought Edge. Uh, so this was a nice uh, surprise to see on the show. Um, it felt very rushed and sloppy at the start. Um, I don't know if it was lack of. I don't know if it's lack of chemistry. I don't know if it was just, you know, adrenaline pumping or whatever, but there seemed to be a lot of, it wasn't as smooth as you would expect from an Eddie and edge match, but the pace and action picked up and they got to a better point. I loved the Eddie frog splash to edges arm slash shoulder. I thought that was very good storytelling with, uh, them working the arm and Edge selling the arm. Um, and a very sneaky spear by Edge to get the uh, W here. Um, not much else really to talk about. Very good match. Uh, once they got through the... Uh, once they got through the initial feeling rushed and sloppiness of it, I thought it was a very good match. Um, and in the the pace of this pay-per-view is still still at a fever pitch uh, where they're really like going after each other in these first three matches. All right. Let me get I'm, I'm sorry, I was I'm tallying, I'm but I'm putting points down. Pilch, um, gotcha. uh, your retort. Latino heat. Latino heat. I love Eddie Guerrero. R.I.P. My brother. Uh, there was two signs in the crowd that I loved. One said to poor Eddie. The other <laughs> one said, "Dirtiest mullet in the game." I saw that one. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the fact. Like, I love Edge. I think Edge is great. I don't like the fact that he calls his fancy Edge heads. Like, it's he. He could have come up with something better than what he came up with. Uh, The storytelling in this match was fantastic. Warren already hit on that, but it was Edge's injured shoulder, and Eddie worked on it consistently. Even with a, as Warren said, the frog splash, the injured shoulder was great, 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 great spot. 
Um, you know, Edge got the the spear for the three count. Okay, you know, I I kind of thought Eddie Guerrero should have won this match. I don't know. I thought he did a better job throughout, and I, I like Edge. Like I think Edge is a great wrestler. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I I'm a bigger Eddie Guerrero fan than I am an Edge fan, but. It was what it was, I guess. Oh, and uh, Warren, so was this after the whole Lita affair? Must have been, right? Um, before. No, this is, yeah, this is before. Oh, it's before the Lita affair. Yeah, no, the Lita affair wasn't 02, because remember, we watched the SummerSlam, I said 04 before, but I think it's 05. That's when the Lita affair was. So where where are the Hardy Boys in this pay per view then? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Not sure where the Hardy Boys are at this point. Um, oh, I wonder when. I can effort this while we talk about other stuff. I wonder when Jeff went to TNA the first time. No, that was. No, that's not around this. Uh, let, let me look. Let me look. Oh, yeah, this that's still early. So maybe they're hurt. I'm not sure. Um, Because he goes to TNA the first time in 2004. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they are at this point. Not sure. I mean, I just think they probably had something that ran its course, and then they were, you know, waiting to be not. That's the wrong word. Not repackaged, but like you know, they had to. Write them into the storyline somewhere else. You know, they probably just finished the feud with the Dudleys, and now they got to go and like figure out how to get them in with such and such. You know what I mean? So Jeff was starting to see his singles push in 01. He held the Intercontinental title, the light heavyweight title, hardcore title. The end of 2001, Hardy's storyline in which they began to fight, which led Matt led to Matt demanding a match at Vengeance with Lita as a special guest referee. doesn't really go into what was going on in 2001 or, uh, or 02. He has a match with The Undertaker and SmackDown. April of 02, Hardy Boys feud Brock. Uh, yeah, yeah it just, they just missed, uh, missed SummerSlam, I guess. Yeah. Happens. Okay. Happens. Uh, moving on. Oh, boy. Let me check that. Wow. We really. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Next match we got uh, is the tag team match, the Un-Americans, which consisted of Christian and Lance Storm, uh, who are the tag team champions, and they were taken on Booker T and Gold Dust. Um, 
I thought this was going to be when they won the titles, but I guess I was wrong. But here is what I wanted to talk about. So it is 2002. We are just under a year after 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they give three Canadians this un-American gimmick. Mm-hmm. I am very curious to hear that, you know, pitch meeting where they get Lance and Christian and Tess in the room. In the back. All right, we're putting you guys together. You're going to be a trio. We're going to call you the un-Americans. It's going to be, you know, we we don't appreciate, we don't respect America, blah, 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 blah. Catch a lot of heat. It'll be great. And just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, we're not even a full year out of this national tragedy, and you want us to talk about how much America sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what? Like, and I just, I don't know. I just wonder what the, were they, if they were worried about like the backlash. Like, I know they're trying to get heat, but do they want like that kind of heat? You know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder, I do wonder the conversation, but then I also think back to Bret Hart when he was doing the Hart Foundation stuff. Uh, and Heart Foundation stuff with Bulldog, Owen, mm-hmm. Nineheart, Pillman, you know, where they were supposed to be heels in America going up against Shawn Michaels leading up to the um, screw job at Survivor Series. Right. But they had a show in, in Alberta and they were. But they, any show that they, and they were going to Canada a lot during this era, right. but any show they did in Canada. They had to so, flip it to the where roof would explode when yes. it came out. Um, so they were very um they were very pro-Canada and anti-America then too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this was you know before 9-11. I don't think the the un-American Canadian thing was a big deal. Um, I get to where I could see your hesitation with it to where why they would why would they go through something like this so close to after 9-11? Um, but I think the the harder sell would be later on when they do the Muhammad Hassan stuff. Mm. Um where he, again he wasn't a, a anti-American guy or anything like that, but just the fact that he looked like, like he was and had uh Davari as his yeah. as his number two yeah. uh got him the instant heat that they That's wanted. Right. That's right. But I'm thinking more like I'm thinking more like you know I make I don't know if you know this, Warren, but I make dead dad jokes because that's how I deal with the pain. Got your father dying, right? But I wasn't making dead dad jokes 
right when dad died. Like that was something I had to get to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. don't do it within the you know a day, a week, six months of the thing happening. Maybe like couple years or like you know a year two years you want to give you want to give the event time to breathe right this is months 11 months after it happened right you're saying that's not enough time for it to breathe absolutely not for the for the magnitude of what happened yeah to us as a country mm-hmm like, you know, I'm sure the the site, you know, time, wherever, uh, Ground Zero, whatever they call it, they still hadn't cleaned it up yet. Like, they were still finding people, I think, or something like that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it took a mm-hmm. really, really long time to, like, get out of that. And I just think that approaching these guys who are Canadian with this gimmick, like... Uh, if I were any one of them, if I was Christian, Lance Storm, and Test, I would be like, I don't know, guys. Like, uh, like I'm not saying that because it worked for the Heart Foundation. Lance Storm had his in um, wasn't weren't that didn't he have a Canadian stable in ECW or no, not ECW. WCW. WCW. He had the Canadian stable in WCW. Like the Canadian stable works, but they weren't a Canadian stable technically. They never, because if they were a Canadian stable, they would just, instead of doing the upside down flag, it would be the Canadian flag. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking like, like this was just a direct, like, heat on not liking America. And I just think it was the wrong time to have that. Just so, but I, I think they, I know they did that on purpose because they knew, oh, you guys are gonna get so much heat. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like of course we're gonna get the, the, so much heat, but like that's not the. I don't know if that's the heat we want, you know. And understood. So I don't know. It was just I just didn't. I thought that was a misstep. But it was working. Like the crowd seemed to be like, you know, they had the heat, but they, I don't think it registered with them as like how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just like overthinking it, but who knows? Um, Pilch? Huh. See, I fell asleep. What are we talking about? Here you go. Well, he does. He obviously okay. Anyway, let's. What about the match as a whole, <laughs> Pilch? What about the uh, Un-Americans versus Goldust? Your boy, Goldust and Booker T. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm actually. I have notes on this match. I I don't really want to talk about any of them. So I'm gonna throw it back to you, Chris. Is how did Booker T and Goldust get together? I don't. I don't want you to tell me about how it actually happened on Monday Night Raw. I want you to book it as you would book it. How do Goldust and Booker T become a tag team? <laughs> how do Goldust and Booker T become a tag team? If I was going to book it, if you were going to book it, 
honestly, I don't know if I would. I think those two, it's like, I kind of still can't believe that they ever were a tag team. I think they, I don't know if I have a better idea of how to get them together. I don't, or any, not even necessarily better, but I don't think I have a second idea of how to get them together. I honestly don't know how it would happen. I mean, you know, we we have tens of tens of listeners here, so you have to appease them. All right, let's see. I'm booking it. Gold Dust and Booker T. How do we get them together? I have an idea of how I would do it. Warren has an idea. Can can Warren field it? Who's Warren? Oh boy! All right. Um, yeah. I'm no, say, I mean, if you if you if you got nothing, we can. Kick it I got. I honestly, I nothing. truly, I have nothing. I have no idea how I would do it. Kick it to Warren then. All right, I'm gonna kick it to Warren. Warren. So how I would do it? I would have them probably have like a series of matches against each other and maybe do like the whole mutual respect kind of thing. And then after maybe, I don't know, two or three matches, they develop a common enemy for whatever reason. And it's the un-Americans. And then they're like, you know what? I I respect you and what you do in that ring. Why don't we team up and take on these these un-American guys? I think that's that's how I would that's how I would put them together. Cause I couldn't imagine how else, and I can't remember specifically how they actually got together, even though I always thought they were such a good team whether it was in the ring or their promo work together. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, you know, it's a weird combination, but it's a combination that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the match goes, there was a really nasty fall by Goldust, and he shook it off like it wasn't even a big deal. Uh, the hot tag not seen by the referee. I think you know we need to give Booker T the award, or not even the award, the uh, diploma for graduating from the Macho Man Randy Savage Academy of Tag Team Wrestling, <laughs> where you know you just distract the referee and let your partner just get pummeled into oblivion. He did it very well this entire match. Uh, the Un Americans missed the. Double chair shot, the uh, concerto, as they call it, uh, which led to a double clothesline by Goldust, which was a great spot. Um, the Booker T double scissor kick was also a great spot. This whole match was ruined to me, ruined for me, I guess, by test, like. He really had to run in and like ruin the match. I don't know. 
I just, you know, RIP test. I know, you know, I hope you're up there doing okay, but as a wrestler, I'm not a fan. And, uh, yeah. That's my uh, take on this match. Boy, I mean, poor Tess. He's just up in heaven trying to chill. <laughs> He's down here just ripping them apart. This isn't the first time we've ripped Tess apart. No, it's not. Dude, I, I said R.I.P. and I pointed up to the sky when I said it. So, you know, I mean, like, I don't I don't hate him as a person. I'm just not a fan of him as a wrestler. Oh, Warren, uh, anything to add? Um, so, as I mentioned, I, I really always enjoyed Booker T and Goldust as a team. I did also document the scary toss out of the ring spot that Goldust had. Um, I don't know why you would toss somebody out over the corner where the ring post is and then go to the floor, even though it's kind of the same height, even if you went over the top rope. Um, but it's just, that's just a scary area to be around. Um, more refs or more refs, uh, missing tag spots, uh, especially with uh good old Nick Patrick in here. He's good for, um, being a terrible ref, I guess not a legitimate, terrible ref, but, as a terrible ref in the kayfabe sense where like you mentioned he's distracted constantly or taking ref bumps and doesn't see stuff um a rare missile drop kick here from booker t to christian um he's still harkening back to his wcw days when he was more of a high flyer uh and then like i mentioned the end of the match ref bump test run in I thought, at least from my vantage point, that Nick Patrick saw the test boot in the ring just by the way he was sitting when test connected with the boot. But apparently he didn't, and Un-Americans will steal victory and retain the tag team titles. Yeah, I I have a... So the, the bump you guys are talking about for Gold Dust... When he went over through the corner, I think he was supposed to land on the apron and missed or overshot. But even, okay, so even if he was supposed to land on the apron, he went over the corner and not over the ropes. Right. People go over corner all the time. They do the, you know, hop over and then give it like an elbow shot or something. And then they climb to the top. I think that's what he was supposed oh, okay. to do. I get and he missed the apron. And I, he missed the, rope, the ropes too. He just missed everything. It went to the floor. Yeah, I think he, he came in too hot, overshot it, and just like, oh, I got a bail, and like try and land safe on the outside. That's what yeah. I, that's what I think. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it looked like Jesus to me because I couldn't believe that he was going that route to the floor. Um. What was the other thing? Uh, there were a lot of Booker T. I felt like Booker T was not in this match a lot. It was a very, um, you know, Goldust having, st- you know, stuck in the ring, getting the beat down, blah, 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 trying to get the tag, but the ref missing the tag, 
Now mm-hmm. it's still in. And it's like, I think that went on a little too long. A little too long. But, you know, I think the match was still good. Um, and yeah, the test run in. Did we really need the test run in? No. I don't think we did. You never need test. Doing, it's the worst. You know, Christian and Lance were doing just fine on their own. Like they could have had a different finish where. I don't know. They just get rid of Booker T somehow. And even if they had that finish with the, you know, finish with the concerto, ref doesn't see it. And they still, you know, like, I don't know. It's just. I I would have been okay with a test distract the ref run in, but the test slide in the ring and boo. Like I said, I thought Nick Patrick was looking dead at. Oh, he definitely was. He absolutely was. And, and it was just like, oh, I didn't see anything. Um, Tess running in to to dis- just to distract the ref, and then if that helped them get the victory, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, but not, not the way this the way this played out just wasn't. You, you couldn't buy it. it. It didn't look legitimate. Oh, I don't know. That was weird. Uh, let's uh, let's drink it on. All right, we're moving on because we got to go, fam. Uh, next match. So this is where I stopped. Wait, wait, before before you get to this next match. Oh, wait, there was a promo in between. There was a promo. I don't understand what was going on here with Jamie Noble and Nydia yeah. at the World, w, the WWE, the World Restaurant. where out contest. It was apparently a makeout contest. Um, the, the strangest promo of all time. Yeah, it was. So it was Jamie Noble and Nydia, and Nydia got to pick who she was going to make out with with two random guys. And she picks one guy, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> With Jamie Noble standing there the whole time and encouraging this going on. Jamie Noble was probably the best part of that. Yo, yeah, you get it done. Isn't it real good? Oh, my God. It was so good. Um, I don't think there was ever a time where Jamie Noble was not entertaining. He has always been entertaining. uh, I can't believe Kayla's whispered us. Very odd promo to have segment to have i don't know what purpose it really served but literally a just because segment yeah i don't know that was odd thanks wwe um i mean it's not wwe's fault that warren careless whispered us <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. That was all Nydia and that random guy. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Help you're proud of yourself. <laughs> all right. So, next match. As I was saying, this is for the IC title, RVD versus Chris Benoit. 
Um, who's oh wait, Chris Benoit was the champ. Yeah, Chris Benoit was champ going in. Um, I so I wasn't able to take any notes on this match because my lovely daughter would not allow me to type on the computer. So I don't have anything to really add. Um, decent match. I as a wrestler, I like Chris Benoit as a person. It's a horrible human being. Just want to get that out there. But Chris Benoit, the wrestler, great wrestler. Love watching him. Um, and RVD, you know, he's just old school Matt Riddle, man. I mean, you you know, he's just <laughs> he's just out there doing his thing. He's it's just Riddle now. It's just Riddle. Yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. There was a one part I thought was really funny where, um, uh, so JR, King and JR were doing this one, and um, they were talking about how, oh, RVD really has a shot at you know bringing this IC title back to Raw, and like as those words were coming out of uh, King's mouth. Benoit slaps the crossfade on and he goes, Oh, never mind. <laughs> just <Yeah. let> it <laughs> over. Yeah. I just thought that was really That's funny. It's like really good timing with the king, just like oh, crossface, it's done. He's, he's not gonna this. That's that's funny. <sighs> but uh but yeah, I just I, I really like this match. Um RVD actually comes away with a win, which I was kind of freaking back by. I would have thought Benoit retained, but you know, it, it was uh, it was it was a it was a fun ride. Uh, uh, Warren, let's start with you. What do you got on this one? Um, so I was very eager to see this match. Um, not sure why they blurred out the IC title when Benoit was coming out. Um, but I think it was because they still had the old WWF logo on there. Oh, that's definitely the new WWE logo. Uh, be i think that that's my guess that i'm not sure no it has to be it has um to be. but they blurred like the whole thing out did they? Uh, yeah it looked like it. i didn't see any i couldn't see any of the the main face plate of it but anyways hmm. um it must have been that because they had the old wwf logo on there well, um, it says doesn't it also say like world wrestling federation intercontinental title yeah. If it said World Wrestling Federation, that would be fine. It would, the issue was the WWF logo. Hmm. Uh. Uh, RVD with his head and neck bumps um, were always great looking. Either he'd do the long hit, stand on his head one, or this one he was like folded up on his neck. Um, those were always uh, entertaining to say the least. Um, very back and forth contest here. Both uh, wrestlers missed their top rope signature moves. RVD missed a five-star, and uh, Benoit missed a diving headbutt. Um, I never need to see anybody attempt to do a shoulder breaker ever because anybody that actually does it, it just looks awful. Yeah. I need that move to just be retired. 
uh, take it out of the WWE video games. Uh, nobody needs to ever attempt it unless you're going to make it look believable. Um, this always just looks like you're gently placing the person on your across your knee. That's right. I forgot about that. That is, I remember seeing that and be like, oh, Benoit uncharacteristically, uh, Harley race shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> The Harley um, race quote. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then Rob gets the win here for the IC title with the quarter turn five star frog splash. Um, very good match. Uh, still kept up with the pace of this whole pay-per-view where it's fast paced back and forth action. Um, no complaints here. It was a very good match. By the way, uh, as I was looking up, Nidia is now 41 years old. Well, happy birthday, Nidia. <laughs> yeah. Not not today, but I just didn't realize she was 41 years old. Yeah, born, born 79. HPD Nidia. <laughs> On March 12th, she'll be happy birthday, Nidia. Uh, Pilch, your, your thoughts on the match? Uh, so we have never to this day gotten through an entire pay-per-view without the mention of the Stu Hart dungeon. So (laughs) you're right about that happened in this match. And, uh, yeah, it was a great match. I mean, both guys were busted open early. Uh, you know, I, I love the fact that RVD had the hurt arm and Benoit worked on it for, the entirety of the match and Warren, I have to ask you a favor. Gotcha. I'm assuming your silence means you're going to apply. So I, I replied, I said, gotcha. What do you got? All right. So can you play the, uh, the careless whisper for me? Hang on a second. I'm never gonna dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Though it's easy to pretend, I know you're not a fool. I love RVD. I love Chris Benoit. This match was great. I love Careless Whisper by George Michael. Um, both of them had a busted lip. I really just wanted to sing Careless Whisper. I don't really have any other notes. Besides that, (laughs) all right. Thank you for that, Pilch. (laughs) Um. All right. Well, I guess time can never mend the careless whisper of a good friend, Chris. And don't you ever forget it. Oh my God! All right. Okay. Anywho, (laughs) so Uh, I had a strange um. I have a question here because uh, they have, I don't know if this is a, no, yeah, this is a little promo uh, video package talking about the Un-Americans and explaining why they became the Un-Americans. Right. Why wasn't this played before the their tag match or before their promo, before the tag match, before they're on screen? I don't know. 
I think this is a very weird placement for it. And also, JR asked the question, who are the un-Americans? And uh, who are the un-Americans and what are they doing here? They've already been in the company for however many years. You know who they are. A long time. <laughs> and and two of uh, the other two members of the the stable were on the show already. So why? Who are you asking? Who are the un-Americans? You know who the un-Americans are. Just a weird placement for that uh, for that promo. Not the only issue I have with the uh, un-Americans <laughs> matches. Yeah. No, it's just. It... I mean, the Un-Americans are responsible for 9-11. That's what you want to say. So just go out and say that's it. That's not... No, no. That's, this is something different. This is something different. It's about how they won the te- they, they, they won the tag titles, but then they lose this match to have the Undertaker have his, his pose off with the American flag. But it's like you could have did, did this with the tag title. Like you could have squashed them all in this entire paper, why let them come out on top in the tag match, but not with the Undertaker? Like well, I mean, it is the Undertaker, though. Right, it is the Undertaker. I understand that, but what I'm trying to get at is, if you're gonna have this whole thing where the Undertaker defeats the Un-Americans, right, and he holds up the American flag and like they wave it, and you know everybody has their America moment, well, they're still champions. Like this match, like the Undertaker match, wasn't for anything, and it was with Test. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're gonna have this Undertaker triumphant for America moment. They can't also be champions. You know, I this this was a there was nothing at stake, so I think it took away from the yay America. It's like, yeah, okay, you you beat up Test. That's cool, I guess, but <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, damn it, Chris, you're taking all my notes. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> That's why I had to karaoke Karis Whisper because you're taking all my notes all the time. I'm taking all your notes. I and apologize. I mean, Karis Whisper is a great song, but I, you song. know, potato, tomato. Is there anything that you would like to say that I haven't stolen away from you, Pilch? No. I hate Test. I love The Undertaker. Um, there's way too many choke slams. And uh, I, my only issue here is that JR predicts that like there's major gold in Test's future. And he was like, whoops, you, you missed the mark on that one, bud. Mm. Maybe he was talking about the crosses at his funeral. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Whoa. Bad <laughs> form. You're supposed um, to be the bipartisan host here, and that was <laughs> yikes. Sorry. I meant to just say Warren, that. Warren, can you give Chris a little careless whisper to calm down? Oh. Um, yeah, let's just... So, we talk about how uh, Test was in here against The Undertaker, and, like, Undertaker really shouldn't be 
poking his chest out after a win versus test. But according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated's top 500 in 2001, Test was ranked 37. Huh. Y- yeah. Huh. So if you just look at The Undertaker faced off against the 37th best wrestler in the world at SummerSlam and won, okay, I could see that. But then when you say he fought and, and beat Test, I'm like, well, he's supposed to beat Test. I'm not right. saying he's not supposed to beat Test. What I'm saying is I don't think that you can have The Undertaker beat Test and call it a win for America when these anti-Americans have gold. I to- understand it. I'm not to- saying Undertaker doesn't beat Test. I'm more saying that and I'm, I'm not saying that Booker and Booker and Goldust should have also beat them to like you don't have gold anymore. It's back in America. Americans have the titles. You got your asses kicked by Americans. Get get out of here if you hate this place. Yeah, but they were they weren't done with the un-Americans gimmick at that time. Right. I understand that, but I just <laughs> I just thought it was I don't know. It's just I don't know. Yeah. Um, but my my thoughts on the match, uh, Undertaker and Test, I just I still I can't I don't buy into Test. I never did, never will. Um, don't care what incarnation of him is on the screen, whether it's um, Lovebirds with Stephanie McMahon, whether it's here the Young Americans, whether it's TNA with him and Albert, um, or short haircut. Uh, running terrible ECW test. Nope, just can't do it. Can't do it anywhere. Um, Undertaker hit him with a leapfrog. I don't know if I can't remember the last time I saw that happen. Um, Undertaker was getting his stuff in early uh, with his leaping clothesline into old school, even though Tess cut him off. He later on comes back and gets old school. The pace of the pay-per-view really slowed up here in this match. Every other match was kind of bang, 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 action, 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 and this one kind of slowed down. This was definitely the let-up match of the of the show. Uh, Storm and Christian hit the ring for a run-in. They get both get choked slammed for their troubles. Uh, Tess gets a big boot in, but Undertaker kicks out at two, and then Undertaker gets Tombstone and uh, puts Tess in his rightful place as the loser in this match. Yeah, I mean, guilty feet have no rhythm, so. <laughs> Makes sense. It does make sense. All right. Moving on from tests, we have the unsanctioned match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Now, as... Uh, we got into this match. There was a very lovely package showing the history between Shawn Michaels and Triple H and they're falling out and what led to this unsanctioned match. Um, when the package started, Kara got to watch the package 
and you said Kara got to watch the package. Kara got to watch the package. Oh, you, you meant video. Package. Oh, I'm never gonna dance again. I see Guilty what you did there. I have got no rhythm. My apologies. I see what you did there, and I don't like it. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, the, vid- the video package. I've been waiting the whole episode to do that because whenever you refer to video packages, you would just say package. It's the pa- well, okay, fine. Yeah. Anywho. Yep. So the video <laughs> package starts. Kara sitting on the couch. You know, me, her, and the baby. She's playing with the baby, and. I don't know what it was about the video package, but Kara is entranced. She is just mesmerized by this video package. And she is just like, you know, the stuff would happen and, you know, oh, these guys were best friends. Oh, what happened? It's like, well, keep watching. And then she's watching. It's like, oh, he smashed his head into the car. Oh, my God. Why would he do that? It's just like, well, he's tired of looking in the shadow. He's trying to see. He says he used them to get to the top and now they're gonna fight and it's like oh my god i can't believe you would do that to his best friend it's like yeah it's pretty crazy and she was just all that did not stay to watch the match but she just she really liked the video package she was like this was intense <laughs> she was pretty, like entertained by this video package of well, modern uh sean the uh the the Lead up to this match was, from what I remember, amazing. Mm. Uh, nobody expected Shawn Michaels to come back here uh, four years after uh, he had to retire. Um, and we weren't sure what kind of Shawn Michaels we were going to get because the last Shawn Michaels that we saw uh, couldn't move and was with his back. Um Triple H had just came back from his his quad tear and was um, basically at the top of his game. Um, So we were anxious to see what happened here uh, with um, with HBK coming back. Yeah, it it was I mean, it was very inciting and and, enthralling and just uh, it. I don't know. It just got me in the mood to watch this match. Pilch, how did you feel about the package? Uh, the package was good. Uh, I mean, you keep playing that. I know all the words of Chaos Whisper, and I will sing them all on the podcast, so you need to be careful. <laughs> we just need to get through the show i'm never gonna dance again guilty oh. feet has got no rhythm <laughs> such a good song we are it, is, it really is george michael off the rails off the rails so are, are we actually getting into the triple h Shawn michaels match or do you want me yeah. to do a little bit more chaos with for because I still have other notes that I can go ahead. You can go first. Because I'll I'll do more Kayla's Whisper if you want. No, please. Don't. Right, go, ahead. go ahead and get to the match. 
Uh, so, I knew Triple H was going to lose this match at the very beginning of it. Do you want to know why I knew that? Why, why is it that? It's because if it's a non-sanctioned match, you don't wear your ring attire. You wear blue jeans. Anyone that's ever won a non-sanctioned match has always wear jeans. Just that's that that's wrestling. Not necessarily. What do you mean? Name one time. Randy Orton had an unsanctioned match with Christian during his feud with Edge when he just returned. And Christian came out in jeans, Randy Orton wore his tights, and booted Christian. Like the match hadn't I mean, started yet. Yeah, the Viper is a different story. And WWE doesn't know good booking, so we're going to go back to what I was talking about. Okay. So there, there was so many... I, so the, this is why I like this match, and... You know, I, I wrote a lot of notes. I'm just going to just cut them all down and just make it into something. Is Shawn Michaels lost his smile. He had a back injury. He left the business for, you know, four years. I think he it was it was 98 when he left and he came back in 02. Is that correct? Uh, him him losing his smile and the back injury are two separate. I mean, it all happened together. No, it was it was totally different. The boss's smile was before he even started DX. Okay, sure, but I mean, he lost his smile. He got a back injury, and he left in '98. Yes, but there were still those are two separate incidents. But was he ever going to dance again? He he was at some point. We just weren't sure when. Okay. But does he have guilty feet? <laughs> no, his, his feet work really well. Yeah, because guilty feet have no rhythm, so that's good. Um, no, but he he left the WWE with a very bad back injury, right? Yes. He came back. He came back four years later. For the first like minute and a half, he dominated the match, and then. Triple H got to work and we saw multiple chair shots in the back. He worked to the lower back, upper back, the whole whole nine yards. Right. And then about halfway through, we had a Shawn Michaels Hulk up where he exploded up and was like, hey, I'm fine. And even before that, he had a dive over the top rope where, you know, he 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 was OK. And I think the two of them wrestled a very good match in the sense that they they told a great story here. And I think Triple H told a better story because he was the one that took the front of the punishment and let like Shawn Michaels like kind of come back and have his triumphant return. You know, we had the the first three to four minutes where Shawn Michaels like getting his flurry he did the dive over the top rope and from four minutes to like 
eight minutes, it was Triple H dominating at the high knee. He got he got all his shit in. And then after that, it was just Shawn Michaels just uh, beating the crap out of Triple H till the bell. Um, I think he proved everyone that thought like he couldn't wrestle anymore wrong. Like he did great, you know. And then Triple H puts him on a stretcher after the bell rings, which is you know a debate for another day. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a great match. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, you know, it's a rivalry that came out of nowhere and was awesome. Warren. So, um, a lot of stuff we covered already. Uh, This is probably my favorite Triple H theme. I'm I'm sure I mentioned that before. For timeline reference, this is just post his first quad tear. So we're in August of 01. He returned at MSG just before, was it just before Mania? Or was it just before the Rumble? I think it was just before the Rumble um, in this same year. So he's just back. He's fresh. He's ripped to shreds in whatever the case. Um, this Sean looked a lot better than... Uh, the last time we saw him when he fought Austin at Mania, and nobody was sure what Shawn Michaels we were going to get. If we were going to get the, you know, the heartbreak kid, or we're going to get some broken down, uh, the broken down one that we saw last. Um, So it was pleasant to see that he felt, looked like he felt good, moved good, still had all his, uh, all the juice that he had. Um, DDT on the tear, bust Sean open. Um, Triple H was also whooping Sean with his own belt. Uh, I don't know why Earl Hebner was getting hot with Triple H about his actions in a non-sanctioned match. Only thing Hebner was there to do was count to three, just like uh, JR and King mentioned. Um, So he needs to just stay out of the way and just let stuff happen and then be there to count the shoulders down. Um. The sidewalk on the sidewalk slam on the seat of the chair was brutal. Um, and then he did another sidewalk slam on the chair when it was flat in the ground. So really selling the back injury. Um, the sweet chin music to Triple H through the chair uh, busted Triple H open. Um, he put his back to the test with that dive, as Pilch mentioned, um, putting Triple H to the table. And then uh, I did like the roll-up finish uh, for for Shawn Michaels. And then with the roll-up finish, I guess it made sense for Triple H being the sore loser and attack Shawn Michaels after the fact, uh, after the match was over, because we weren't sure if this was going to be Shawn Michaels coming back forever or Shawn Michaels on a one-off match again. Um, so that left the that put the mystery back in the air if this was even going to get a rematch. Um, but really dynamite match. Um, may may be the the leader in the clubhouse right now for match of the night for me, anyways. It is very possible that it could be the match of the night, but um, I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, I did. I, I like this match. I noticed that 
there was one spot where Sean, you know, Triple H had been working Sean's back all match. Um, multiple backbreakers, backbreakers through the chairs, on you know, uh, slamming them into the the. They had the ladder out. The you know, Sean just took a lot of abuse to to his you know broken back. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one bump he took, and then he hulked up, but the way he got to his feet. His back must have been on fire. And I think he was using the pain of his back to like sell the Hulk up. But like you could tell he was very, very stiff in his Mm -hmm. movement when he like got to his feet. And when even when he went over to the corner to like, you know, tune up the band, he's still like his, his back is just like. It's a little too straight, if you know what I mean. Like he's like afraid to move it when yeah, he pander to the crowd. You know what I mean? It's just- I didn't get that sense in this in this match. I remember watching the Mania match with Austin and how much he struggled to move throughout the match, especially as the match went on. Um, with even pulling himself up to get to the next move, the next spot. I didn't get that sense in this match. I thought he moved, I don't want to say just as well as, I'd say just as well as before his injury, uh, when he heard it fighting The Undertaker in the casket match. Um, but he was moving well. And and like I said, nobody thought he was going to even ever come back with back injury, whatever the issues he had with with uh, with drugs and using and whatnot. Um, this was a totally different Shawn Michaels than people had ever seen before. Um, even before you talk about what he was going to do in the ring. Um, I, I really thought he was moving just as well as, as he had, had moved in a long time. Yeah. I I would kind of have to agree with Warren on this. I think, um, he had that dive over the top rope at the very early stages of this match. And I think he only got stronger throughout. And I, I honestly think it's a very, we have to give Triple H some credit here. Cause I think Triple H kind of was the person that like laid the groundwork for this. Oh, 100%. I don't think Shawn Michaels comes back and fights anybody else but Triple H at this time. No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, JR like had like this weird offset comment where it's Shawn Michaels one and only. Like he came back for one night only. And as we all know, Shawn Michaels came back for three plus years after this. Yeah. But I don't but think he would have, he, he wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Triple H. Nobody knew that at the time. Like I said, this, that's most another reason probably why it was unsanctioned. Nobody knew that it was going to be more than just this one match. And the with the ending and how it played out, the roll-up win for Sean to get the win and the pop, and then uh, sore loser Triple H to come out and injure his back again to get the stretcher job out of the arena. I mean, 
it kind of made sense. And then it built to whenever they had their second match. And then I want to say his third match was uh, when he won the title in the first elimination chamber. Yeah. And you can see Sean getting more comfortable throughout the match, especially like, I think it's the whole beauty of the match is that Sean comes out hot. He hits a couple of big moves and then Hunter is the aggressor for like 10 to 15 minutes, like pummels him. And you can tell like with every giant hit that like Sean sells it a little bit and he sells it a little bit more, sells it a little bit more, sells it a lot more. He's like, okay, I can do this again. And like it ramps up the part where Sean's the aggressor and he's going after it. It, it, I don't know. I I think it's a beautiful story that they're telling. Especially if you know everything behind it. I just met... I mean... I'm not saying Sean didn't look good. He looked great. But I was more... On that one spot. I think he just took that bump bad. Gotcha. And in that rise when he was getting up and he's hulking up, it's just like he looked very he because he he wasn't moving like in that moment he wasn't moving like that previously. So I think it was more I was more saying like that one bump before the Hulk up he like oh like he tweaked something. Well, he's and also he powered through it at this point. It's not 1992 Shawn Michaels, you know? Right. I wonder how old was he at that time? Do, do, do. He was born in the 60s. He's 40. He is... He's 55 now. And that was... Nineteen years ago. Mm-hmm. So he's thirty-eight. I guess. Okay, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised at how well he moved at thirty-eight, even with his his back. Yeah, thirty-eight isn't that. I mean, 38 is not that old for us, but I mean, 38 for Shawn Michaels is no, old. 38 is very old for us. <laughs> for a a top-notch premier athlete, 38 may not be uh, as old. But for us, like me, turning 38 next month, uh, it's ridiculously old. I was going to say, for you especially, I mean, you've been 38 for like 10 years now, right? Well, it certainly feels like it. Hmm. <sighs> um, Who didn't get their stuff in? I think everyone got their shit in. Yeah, we, all got our, we all got our stuff in. Everybody got their stuff in. All right. I'm going to say shit because I want to. <laughs> Final match on the card. Undisputed championship match. Rock v. Brock. Um, 
this also had a very nice um, workout montage showing Rock in the gym, getting ready, Brock in, in the gym, getting ready. Um, you know, the rock talking about how he's, uh, you know, he never wanted to be the biggest. He just, you know, he just wanted to be ready or something or other, something making it like he don't have to be the biggest guy to win the fight. And, you know, he's working on a lot of agility and speed exercises. Brock is doing his wrestling training. He's in, I always love, they use those clips all the time and I love them. Like Brock is just it just reinforces this. Oh my God. He's just like on a different level. He just, he, you don't expect this huge guy to move this quick. And he's so fast on the mat. You know, he's, he's pushing all this weight. He's doing all these, um, the widest arm push-ups I've ever seen. Like he's just doing. All these I don't know. Brock just, he's so impressive. He's just so impressive and just such a physical specimen that it boggles your mind. And I don't know. It's just, it was, that was, I really enjoyed that package of, you know, them in the gym getting ready. And then uh, I like this match. They, they, they went at it. I thought Paul, Paul Heyman got involved a lot. He did, and uh, I was real shocked. Like it was early, he, you know, the rock gets thrown outside, and he's selling out in the ground, and then Paul Heyman gives him a little kick, gives him a little kick. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Usually, he just like kind of stands there and like, you know, maybe he'll talk some trash or something. I didn't expect him to kick him in the ribs and run, <laughs> run away. Yeah, this this uh, Paul Heyman agent for Brock is much different than Paul Heyman advocate for Brock. Oh yeah, um, the agent uh, would get involved for their client. The advocate doesn't need to do anything other than sit there and talk for him. Um, he also took a table bump, which I don't think advocate Paul Heyman is going to do now. Oh, no, not even close. Um, uh, let's go, uh, uh, Pilch. Pilch, you want to weigh in on the uh, Brock v. Rock? Actually, I think I'll, I'll think I'll go. I think I'll go first. Oh, wants to go first. Okay, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, so I don't think. Actually, let me back up for a second. Just before this match started, there was something going on with Howard Finkel where he started talking about this is the first time he announced in this arena since WrestleMania 2, this, that, and the third. Uh, I didn't understand what was going on at first. Then here comes Trish. Uh, Trish comes out, starts, you know, spitting game to Howard Finkel. But the end result was to get Lillian Garcia back out here because I guess Fink was on Raw and took Lillian's job or forced her out or something like that. Just to, I don't know. I don't know why they put it here right before the main event. They could have put that somewhere else on the on the card, maybe on Sunday Night Heat. 
<laughs> but uh, getting back to the match, Rock versus Brock for the undisputed title. I don't think Brock truly knew at this time how strong he really was because he was tossing the Rock around this ring. Every chance he had uh, at, a, at a suplex, it was just... The Rock was flying. Now, was The Rock still 6'5", 275 at this time? Probably not. He was probably closer to, a, I don't know, maybe a, in the 250s range. Not that small. But, man, the first belly-to-belly that Brock did on him, it looked like he threw him halfway across the ring. Uh, Brock dominated early, and every time The uh, Rock tried to cut him off, uh, or every time the Rock tried to gain some offense, Brock cut him off. Um, the stereo kip-ups was a nice touch, and that really shows the freak athleticism that Brock Lesnar had. Um, the Rock did a terrible dragon screw into the worst sharpshooter ever. Um, I, I never understood why the Rock started doing the sharpshooter, but he never, ever, ever did it right. Um, the crowd was very 50-50 for this whole match, cheering Brock early, but then uh, when The Rock was fighting out of the bear hug, it seemed that they switched and started chaining for Rocky Rocky. Um, I don't remember this match being a no-disqualification match, but Mike Kyoto let a lot of things slide. Uh, a lot of time outside of the ring. Uh, Paul Heyman's involvement was constant throughout the match. Never threw or never gave a thought to throwing him out of the arena once. Um, Lesnar uh, Lesnar hit the rock with a rock bottom of his own for a long two count. And then they went into a nice reversal sequence in the end for Brock to hit the F5 and to win the undisputed title and become the youngest WWE champion of all time. Yeah, I think they do that a lot with these big matches where it's like, you know, this is technically a regular, you know, regular one-on-one for a championship title match, but you guys can kind of do whatever you want. You know, it's like they always do that. And and I'm I'm okay with that. If you especially want your main event match your heavyweight title match to come to some kind of a finish and if you're willing to let the little nonsense slide to get to the ultimate goal of that actual finish i'm all for it yeah um i don't know this yeah i guess uh pilch yeah, I mean, I was actually very surprised at how split the crowd was in this match. You know, when uh, Rocky even came out, they were chanting Rocky sucks. Which, you know, I I would have thought that The Rock was, you know, the rock that we know and love. But apparently it was a split crowd. Um, you know, obviously, The Rock gave the rock bottom ball Heyman through the Spanish announce table because we went two and a half hours without the Spanish announce table being broken. So 
At least some <laughs> finally get it. <laughs> and you know, I, I was pretty, I was pretty, pretty sure Paul Heyman was dead. But I'm glad he's still alive to this day. I, I, I thought he was murdered. I think the most interesting spot in this entire match was the uh, so they're on the outside right and Rock has Lesnar by the ankles and he slingshots him in the post do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Brock like hopped up so high that he, he almost hit his head on the top of the ring post that is correct and that was like so, I was like so impressed by that. I was like, "Wow, like you're gonna take such a gnarly bump." You know, for only being five months in the business, I thought Brock Lesnar did a great job here. I mean, you know, he came out of the people like The Rock tried to hit the people's elbow, countered it, and then when he hit the F five, he grabbed his left arm, twisted it around. Threw him on top of himself and F five him. I, I don't know. I think Brock Lesnar has been way ahead of his time for years, and yeah, probably doesn't get the credit the credit he deserves for being one of the better world champions that a business ever had. I know he's part time, but you know, I wonder what Brock could have done if he would have went to the Olympics because he pretty much dominated and what he was a national champion at the university of Minnesota for wrestling. Right. Um, I wonder with his, with his makeup and his skills and his strength. And we saw what he was able to do uh, in the, in a short time he was in UFC. What would he have done if he went to the, if the Olympics were, around whenever he if he ended up going towards the olympic route before going to the wwe route i mean i'm i'm sure he would have dominated but you know discussion for another time i guess yeah so more pilch I believe we have finally, finally made it towards the end of our show. <laughs> Two hours later. Oh, it's a hefty one today. Hefty one. Uh, let's do, let's try and bang these out. All right. So we're going to go awards first. Pilch, do you have any awards? Uh, yeah, of course. I always have awards. Um, my uh, cream of the crop award is going to go to the cream of the crop. Uh, the Brock Lesnar rock match. I mean, you know, it's not the best technically wrestled match, but it was a passing the torch, so to speak. And, you know, it was great. So uh, my bananas award goes to. Don't buy any unripe bananas here, because you won't live to eat them, yeah? The Fink. I mean, you know. <laughs> Okay, okay. 
he he had one shot to establish some sort of dominance, and you know Trish Strass got in his head, and he could have kept his job, but then you know he just got he got he got cracked by Lillian Garcia, like she threw a mean right hook, and um, you know I I kind of feel bad for him. I hope he's okay. Anybody that looks the same here now that was oh two so we're what 19 years later anybody that looks the same i don't think i want to ever try lillian garcia looks exactly the same as she did in 2002 today um which is i don't know a credit to whatever she's drinking um but i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to test her she's she's on a she's on a different level right Oh, Warren's obsession with Lillian Garcia. No, it's not an obsession. It's just I second it. It's not a no, it's not an obsession. It's just she just looks she looks good and it looks just as good as she did in 2002. All right. Well, you call it what you want. Okay. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> Um. So, uh, Warren, what 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 awards you got? So my my cream of the crop uh will go to the cream of the crop. It's got to go to Undertake or no? I'm sorry. It's got to go to Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Um, backstory, uh, lead up to the match. Didn't know what Shawn Michaels was gonna be when he got into the match, and he was the HBK that we all knew and loved. Um, This was the start of the resurgence of Saul Michaels, which led to a good number of matches after this and a real nice long run uh, to end his career on his own terms. Um, But this was the, the genesis of it. And it's got, that's gotta be the match of the night. My unripe bananas. Buy any unripe bananas. Yeah. Cause you won't live to eat them. Yeah. It's got to go to Undertaker Test um, because anything that involves tests, just don't even bother to don't even bother to watch it. There you go. <sighs> That's fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, what would you give? How many woos are you? Would you guys give the uh, the pay per view as a whole? I think I think I have to give it five out of five. Five out of five. This pay-per-view. Is this our first five out of five? I think so. I think it is as well. Five out of five. So you um, know this, Warren. this pay-per-view, every single match except for test was <laughs> dynamite. Um and it just it was it was a constant it was a constant wave of of fast paced action. Um, the one slowdown match was a it was a good spot for that match to be in. It was given the appropriate amount of time because the next match was going to take you right back up to that that fast pace again. 
Um, and then the Rock Rock match was just, they knocked it out of the park. So I think I got to give this a five out of five. This is definitely the best pay-per-view that we have watched uh, since doing the Javar podcast. Well, it's official, folks. We have found a pay-per-view Warren agrees is better than WrestleMania X7. <laughs> done it. We have done it. We did it. Good job, guys. Uh, Pilch. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Woos. 4.5. It was very good. I, you know, there's not a bad match on the card. I actually like the Undertaker test match. I think... Uh, my issue here is... Outside of the, the the two headline matches, which were Triple H versus HBK and Rock versus Brock, I didn't really care about who won the rest of them. And I think that was kind of my issue. And uh, I also like zany weird matches. You know, if you hang a sock full quarters on a pole, I'm into that. You know, if you put someone's mom on a forklift, I like that as well. You know, this pay-per-view didn't have any of that, so. Not that it was bad. I enjoyed all of it, but. It didn't have the wow factor you were looking for. Yeah, you know, it it was more of a Dave Hester, not as much of a Daryl Sheets, if you <laughs> <What>? will. <laughs> oh, boy. Shout out Storage Wars. Hashtag Storage Wars. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I think we've covered the Wu ratings, final thoughts. I'm going to say we did the final thoughts. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's get into the particulars. Ladies and gentlemen, please make sure to follow. Won. Huh? We didn't, you didn't say who won. Oh, I didn't? No. Okay, fine. I'll tell you who won. Uh, so it's pretty close. It started out really close. Um. But by a point, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing some good old-fashioned down south wrestling next week because Justin Pilcher is the winner. Yes! (laughs) We're going down south next week to North Carolina. (laughs) Good old-fashioned wrestling. We're getting some wrestling next week. Oh, boy. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Please, 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 please make sure to follow us on all social media accounts. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Triple R Pod. Our email is therealtriplerpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to send us messages, comments, uh, concerns, uh, well wishes, uh, uh, if you want to suggest a pay-per-view that we, you, you want us to review, that's how you would do it. Um, check out our website, www.triplerpodcast.com. Um, you can find all our episodes on the website. Uh, you can also subscribe and like all of our uh, uh, posts and, 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 and episodes and our, our stations 
on all streaming platforms. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, and you can search us by our RSS feed if you are savvy enough. Uh, but um, we appreciate you. We thank you for listening and hope to hear from here or have you join us next time. Oh boy. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. We're, we're two hours and 10 minutes into this. We don't even know what we're saying anymore. I think Pilch fell asleep a little bit. Adios muchachos. We're out of here. (laughs) See you guys on Wednesday.